You're listening to Once, episode 173, Fall. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron. We're happy to have you with us. And Aaron, welcome back to the podcast where we appreciate all of us (laughs) being together again. I missed you guys. (laughs) We hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're in the United States and recently celebrated Thanksgiving. Canada celebrates Thanksgiving ahead of us, so they're thankful before we are. But we hope that wherever you are, you took a moment to be thankful and you do that every single day. Let's talk about now the spell that none of us are thankful for. The spell that we see falling in this episode, Fall. Let's start out talking with kind of the past. This episode (laughs) is different with everything else we've seen in season four. This episode had no flashbacks because everything we see is kind of happening Around the same time. Right. We just didn't know that until almost the end of the episode. Yes. And it's really cool how they did that. And just for clarification, it's not all happening exactly simultaneously. Right. Because there are some things in Arendelle where they talk about a few days ago or a couple days ago, or that was the longest boat trip ever. And they (laughs) refer to a different day. They refer to Wednesday. So it's obviously not (laughs) Wednesday. It's probably Friday or Saturday in Arendelle. So a few days have passed in Arendelle. Thus, the question that I think this raises is when we see Anna and Kristoff thaw, what actually caused them to thaw? Because it's not when Ingrid started casting the spell. I'm thinking Hmm. they started to thaw when Ingrid put up the ice wall. Actually, it was Elsa who put up the ice wall, and then Ingrid kept the ice wall up. So maybe that ice wall prevented Ingrid's magic from reaching the other world and thus allowed everyone to thaw out. That would be enough time to make everything line up, I think. Yeah, I never thought about that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I... I guess if it was going to be 30 years and then suddenly stop, I'd kind of like to know why. Not just because she has something worse planned. Well, no crap. She always has. So I was thinking about this, just kind of why it would happen, why they would thaw. And it just made me think of this book that I was reading where this guy is like experimenting, not experimenting on witches, but kind of like trying to figure them out. And he's asking them, he's interviewing them and asking them to do a spell and then do math. And they're basically saying they like, it's really hard for them to hold this spell when they're trying to then think and do math. So it's it makes me think maybe just the magic that was required for her to cast the Shattered Sight spell made her unable to maintain the other spells that she had been holding the whole time. But I like the ice wall theory. That makes a lot more sense to me. Well, I think... The other theory that you just mentioned also could be a perfect explanation for it. And we may never actually get an exact reason for why it was broken and everyone thawed. But I think these two ideas that have been presented here are good enough. One of them could be right, and it's not something I'm going to try and say, no, it has to be this. 
So Hans is now taking over Arendelle. He will just not let that kingdom go. (laughs) He's not going to have time because he's busy chasing Anna all over the place. Yeah. So I don't really know what he's taking over. That and rolling in the gold bricks. Yes. Which is weird. (laughs) Unless you've seen DuckTales. Yeah, but that was coins. That's true. It's easier to swim in coins than gold Mm. bricks. I love that Hans referred to himself as a benevolent leader. Actually made me laugh out loud. (laughs) Says who? (laughs) Because in case anyone doesn't know, benevolent means well-meaning or kindly. And I'm pretty sure that Elsa on her worst day is more benevolent than Hans on his best day. Well, he's just been looking all his life for his own place. And they sun together. (laughs) Nice reference. I loved that comment. Same with you. And his brothers all laugh. So we learned about this wishing star. And it almost felt like one of those things that they just now bring this up. It's as if they invented it for this episode, but no, they've realistically, they've been planning it for this whole season, but we're only just now hearing about. I sure hope so. (laughs) Because it really could have been that they planned to have a whole entourage go to Arendelle and break the curse and bring everybody back. And then they decided, oh, wait, that doesn't work. But I don't think so. Except for the way the ice wall gave the necklace back for no reason. It's like they had some beats planned and didn't really know how to connect the dots. Like, oh, crap, we just left the necklace in a chasm inside the ice wall. We really don't have that set anymore. We really can't have them go in there and get it. So I think it needs to just kind of issue it. (laughs) Did the ice wall blow up a bit when Charming got repelled against it? Like, did it blow pieces? No, it got thicker and then a crack opened up hundreds of feet from where the necklace fell into the ice and the necklace was there shallow enough for her to reach in and get it yeah the writing mm. it's there, a sign <laughs> okay the writing there isn't the best as well as later on it seems like this episode has struggles a little bit with physical distances yeah i enjoyed the episode overall i enjoyed oh, yeah. a lot of the dialogue but yeah there were a lot of little connect the dots things I mean, while we're on that topic later on, when they blast the hole in the cave wall and they're like, huh, the beach, the map couldn't have been more wrong. It's like, why didn't you just find another way to get them to the beach if that's what you wanted? Because you're not implying that they were taken magically to the beach. You're just like, huh. It's like if you've ever seen the Emperor's New Groove and the the villain beats them somewhere and they look at the map and they go, huh, by all accounts, it doesn't make sense. They're just making fun of the fact that people do that. Well... I was ready to accept that distance (laughs) issue in this episode. But uh, then when Emma yelled when she got out of the elevator and Anna heard her, that's when I realized, no, you got a glitch there. What do you mean? This is jumping later on in this episode. When Elsa went into the mines to go break through that wall herself, Emma went down the elevator in the library. Mm -hmm. Elsa is at the wall right next to the beach that's too far apart physically oh, that's too far Anna apart heard her 
Oh, okay. Oh, I'm, from the library. I'm sorry, I might have said that. Okay. But yeah, from the library, that's too far apart for a yell to be heard through the cave like that and for yep. Emma to make her way there. That's a distance issue I also had with this episode. I understand they need to compress this stuff together and, <laughs> and fit we'll, this stuff. We'll forgive Regina saying, we have just moments and then leaving the mayor's office and then sealing herself <laughs> in the vault because she can poof. Yeah. <laughs> she forgets that sometimes. We'll just, I'll just say that's what she did off camera because she was there like now. And this is how, and by now you mean like, <laughs> like at sundown. Like the scene changed and for her no more time had passed than that. Yeah, I know. They're, they're compressing things and sometimes they just have to make certain compromises for the sake of telling the story. I wish they didn't, but sometimes they, don't they have, have to. to. They do. Sometimes they choose to. I'll put it that way. <laughs> But anyway, back to the wishing star. <laughs> happy thoughts. Think happy thoughts. <laughs> How powerful is this thing going to be? <laughs> right. You would think you could wish upon it over and over again, which I would think would make Blackbeard not want to sell it even for his weight in gold. I loved Anna's, uh, the important thing is that you can wish on it, uh, <laughs> which is implied by the wishing star. And I thought it was convenient or nice that they had the wishing star in the episode with blue fairies kind of return. Cause I think in Pinocchio, there is a wishing star mm-hmm. involved. Well, yeah. The, the song See, when you yeah. wish upon a star, I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> turn aside to do one of my retroactive rewrite suggests. It, so they go down to the cave, and all of a sudden, Emma's all, oh, no, I'm afraid of another cave-in. I, you cannot try to use magic to get through that wall, no matter what. Like, okay, you've taken bigger risks, so what's the deal? And then they come through the wall, and they're at the beach, which shouldn't make sense. So that tells me that whole thing was plot timing. Yeah. They needed the necklace to not take them to the beach, because they've already done the hey, it took us to the beach. The locator spells a dead end. I guess they're dead thing before. But I think it would have gone better and cooler if they'd taken the necklace to the beach and then they couldn't go anywhere and they just were confused and sad. And then Jiminy Cricket sees the thing and goes, that's a wishing star and tells them all about wishing upon a star. And then they go back and they try it. And boom, I think that would have been cool. <laughs> Aaron, what do you think about the little comparison between pirates and wizards? Um, well, I, it was funny. It was very Anna. It was very true to Anna's character. And I think that, like, I wonder if it's kind of foreshadowing what's happening with Rumpelstiltskin and Hook. Uh, they decided pirates are better than wizards. <laughs> and we know that now there's this battle happening That's funny. in, like, between Hook and Rumple. And truly, I would call. Like they referred to Rumpelstiltskin as a wizard in this episode, but especially when he's going after the hat, just like the epitome of being a wizard is having this wizard's hat. Yeah, I just wonder if that's gonna foreshadow that that like they decided pirates are better than wizards because they can be bought off. It's interesting that they made that comparison and had that little funny dialogue when we know what's happening on the other end of things. It does remind me a little bit of Reindeer are better than people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't you think that's true? Uh, nah. well, people will beat you and curse you and cheat you. I'm not going to agree with Sven. But speaking of cheating you, they visit Blackbeard, the cheat, and they did take yeah. the slowest boat ride ever. There are lots of little things that were said that I didn't pick up on until the third watching of this episode. <laughs> 
And one of the things here is Blackbeard has the Jolly Roger. And we've talked about the timeline in the initial reactions and how this all works out, that this all happened after the curse, everything. This is 30 years later that they thought out. So it makes me wonder, did Hook sell the Jolly Roger back to Blackbeard? Or maybe Blackbeard just found it. Because remember, Hook told Emma that he sold the Jolly Roger. He used it to outrun the curse. And then he sold it for a magic bean in order to come back to New York and find Emma. This was in season three, second half of season three. Oh, yeah. I totally think this wraps that up. Like, I totally think that that's how Blackbeard got it. That he had the bean, he traded Hook. And that now we know what happened to the Jolly Roger. Right. Although it would seem strange for Hook to sell his ship to the man he made walk the plank of said ship. Right. I didn't even think about it because when they walked onto the ship, we didn't know it was 30 years later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I started thinking oh, when yeah. we saw it, trying to figure out, okay, this that would place it in such and such in the timeline and all of this. And then the 30 years later comment. <laughs> and then that's when they start bringing out other things that clarify that this is happening nearly simultaneously with everything else so elsa's parents bought the wishing star off of blackbeard and that means they would have bought it before they even went to Misthaven. no they would have had to because they went to Misthaven. they bought it from somebody in Misthaven before they went to Misthaven. well they bought it from blackbeard we oh. don't know where they met blackbeard i guess because the reason this has to happen before they went to Misthaven is they died on their way back from Misthaven. <laughs> oh, so, I see your point. <laughs> yeah, the necklace was back in their home in Arendelle before they left. So this is a necklace they got at some point from Blackbeard before deciding to go to Misthaven to talk to Rumpelstiltskin about Elsa's magic. Maybe they didn't even know what the wishing star could do, or maybe they got it thinking it could help them with Elsa and then discovering it can't. And that's what led them to decide we need to talk to someone more powerful. We need Hmm. a wizard. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know why somebody who trapped her kind of innocent sister in an urn wouldn't be able to use a wishing star that required a pure heart. Yeah, that's true. Well, and what was not so pure of heart about the parents yeah, Gerda was the one who put Ingrid in the urn, so maybe that's what made her not pure of heart. But in Anna's case, Anna was under a spell when she did it. Right. Well, and and Anna knows that she's pure of heart, right? Because of the interaction with Rumpelstiltskin. Right. Because only somebody pure of heart could take the hat. Yeah, exactly. So this is Poseidon's bar- boneyard. And there have been some theories. We received a theory. Uh, I don't have it in front of me at the moment. My but... goodness, I would not take that too literally. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was well, just a name. <laughs> yeah, not not uh, literally his boneyard, but that's what they call it. And we received a theory that tied this together with not just Ariel, but with the Little Mermaid. How there's this theory, uh, the Disney theory, that ties all of these things together that say that... Uh, Elsa and Anna's parents were on the ship that sunk, or that was sunk. You see Ariel swim through with Flounder, and 
her parents ended up being the parents of Tarzan. There's this whole theory about how all the Disney stories tied together and the same characters are tied together in them. Eh, probably not. Although this was maybe a cute uh, There's nod. no probably. This is not how movies are written. <laughs> but nonetheless, there's the ship. And the fact that we mm-hmm. see the ship, I think, gives more support to the idea, especially since we saw the bottle, that Elsa and Anna's parents are indeed dead. I don't know where else they'd be. We basically see their grave. Besides, how would their bones mingle if they weren't dead? (laughs) (laughs) I noticed that when they were about to be thrown overboard in the boo box, that they referred to (laughs) being frozen by Ingrid for 30 years. Mm -hmm. They don't know about the Dark Curse. They don't, but I think it's irrelevant. Well... Except that it makes the rest of the world make sense. <laughs> it makes Misthaven make sense. What do you mean? Well, it's been 30 years, but they travel to another land that wasn't frozen. But guess what? It was frozen by something else. So that's cool, too. Oh, okay. If they were related, they should have thought at the exact same moment. Right. When the curse was broken. Yeah. But here's the thing. They were frozen in Aaron. Wait a minute. 30 years. Yes, it was longer. They just thought it's all Ingrid. Actually, it should have been longer than 30 years (laughs) because everything that's happening Mm -hmm. in Arendelle that we saw up before this episode happened years before the Dark Curse. Because remember, Anna just got back from visiting David when he had long hair before Mm -hmm. he had ever met Snow. As soon as Snow enters the picture, then you add an extra year or two to the timeline that's funny so they should really have been frozen for more like 33 years or 35 years i suppose it could be an estimate maybe they're just rounding yeah <laughs> i mean the map couldn't as long have been as it's more wrong. less than 35 yeah how do you really know when you yeah. wake up from being frozen and everyone else was frozen how do you really know 30 <laughs> years past right. how do they know <laughs> they some, and it's uh, not really like they <laughs> not like they live in a society where they you know have iphones and calendars right it's like so the whole kingdom thaws and everything's pretty normal they travel across the sea to another realm and it is pretty normal too not sure how they know now granted there is astronomy and that (laughs) might be how they looked up and measured the stars and realized what we've been gone for i'd say 30 years yeah it looks like 30 <laughs> years based on the star positions maybe that's I, it. I know astronomy is a lot more precise than that but in enchanted forest <laughs> let's assume astronomy isn't so precise and then it makes perfect sense but when you're just like hans and you do a quick check because you're like hmm how long have we been out maybe that's what you come up with. or maybe this is another one of those distance things that the <laughs> writers didn't quite pay attention to and mm-hmm. they didn't think about the distance in years well, what anna's still been thinking about is how much does he weigh <laughs> she makes the crack about well over 200 pounds of gold <laughs> like, is that a fact i want to know no i don't think so i want to know why arendelle was not affected by the curse why well see i think it was it was affected in that it was frozen in time while being frozen in ice. So it was frozen. That's like refried beans, but refrozen <laughs> or frozen <laughs> twice. 
So maybe if they were just frozen, they would have aged. But because they were frozen and frozen in time, they didn't age. Right. That's my thinking. But also stuff doesn't really age when it's frozen. (laughs) One of the most beautiful scenes in Once Upon a Time happened here inside of the boo box down. I'm going (laughs) to keep wanting to call it that, but inside (laughs) that chest in under the sea. I, Anna Amanda, promise to love and cherish you. Whoa, 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 what are you doing? Even you before we die. <laughs> no. What? You don't get to marry me unless we get out of this. Okay, I'll just keep your chin I hadn't noticed how loud the music was. <laughs> I think one of the most beautiful moments... I felt like crying almost every time <laughs> I saw that. Just seeing Anna, because Anna is so, you know, whimsy, whimsical. and She and, didn't even make a crack about what's the good, what's the use in freeing my hands if we're just going to drown. Yeah. Which I totally thought she was going to say. <laughs> yeah, but only Anna would unilaterally decide I'm marrying you right now. <laughs> That's what I am in the process of yeah. doing. I am currently marrying you. You can't marry a guy you just met. Oh, wait. We've known each other. We're a getting person married who's anyway. not also marrying you. That was an endearing moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me tell you about something else that is endearing to us, and that is you. Thank you for your kind donations to the podcast. We really could not do this without you. Especially for this episode, Steve Johnson, Lisa Slack, Laura Silva, and Tappenberg. Thank you very much for your kind donations that keep the podcast running. Each of these are subscribers. They donate a certain amount on a monthly basis, which is what helps us the most because as we have a hiatus coming up, we won't be releasing as many episodes, but those monthly donations help cover the costs that continue even when we're not podcasting. So thank you very much for that support. We also have 11 backers on Patreon. Thank you very much for your support. We really appreciate it. If you would like to donate to the podcast, a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, which is what helps us the best, or a per-episode donation through Patreon, then you can see all of those options over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And again, thank you, Steve, Lisa, Laura, and Tappenbird, and all of our 11 Patreon backers. We really appreciate it. We couldn't do this without you. One other way that you could support us that won't cost you any extra money is please do your shopping through oncepodcast.com slash Amazon. Or if you're listening from Canada, you can go to oncepodcast.com slash Amazon CA and purchase through our affiliate link. And then we get a portion of whatever you purchase. So purchase that big computer or that car through Amazon or a really big order right after you visit through our link and anything you purchase, we get a small percentage of that and it helps the podcast. And we really appreciate that. So you can check out all of those options over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you for your support. Let's move on to talking about Storybrooke. It starts off with this deal that Rumple and Dairy Queen are making together. And here's what Rumple says. And I'll be here too, spending every waking moment of my immortal life trying to rip your heart out. <laughs> Such endearing words. Those are so endearing. Why did she say enjoy your trip? Like it was a temporary thing. I don't think that implies that's a temporary thing. Because he's going on a trip, or he wants to go on a trip, and that is to leave Storybrooke. I, I think yeah. he failed. 
he definitely did not get his loved ones out of the town in time. Well, I wonder whether he has the power to prevent Belle and Henry from being affected by the spell. He didn't do anything to Henry, though. No, he didn't. We haven't seen Belle and Henry get affected yet, though. Right. The only people we've seen be affected is kind of Kristoff, unless he was just struggling with a sneeze. And we saw there was glass flying into his eye. I I think that was kind of the face. So they could always go like they could kind of pick up from there when they start the next episode and show whatever they want to show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I really liked how this episode progressed. The more I watched it, the more I liked this episode, the way that they are preparing for the inevitable. There's something really cool mm-hmm. when the heroes just have to prepare for the inevitable. Mm-hmm. They realize we can't stop this. We just have to yeah. let it come. Let it go. It, <laughs> it, it reminded me a lot. A lot of things in this episode reminded me of the pilot because in the pilot, they're doing the same thing. They know that they can't stop the curse and they are just doing basically damage control at this point. There are a lot of parallels between this and the pilot, as well as several other episodes, but especially with the mm-hmm. pilot episode. Like while we're on that topic, when Snow gave up Neil to Emma just before a curse is coming, mm-hmm. it's huge. That's the biggest one, I think. The biggest parallel with this whole episode is how that ties back in with the pilot. And yeah. I expected to almost see Snow cry in the same way as back then. We didn't see a cool sword fight, though. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Emma may have to do some fighting. Well, maybe Emma's going to sword fight with the baby. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Hold on, little brother. <laughs> also, just the faith that they're putting in Emma once again in this episode is exactly the same. Like, they had faith that when they put that baby, Emma, in the wardrobe, she would find them and she would save them. And they are having full faith again in this episode in Emma, in that she's the savior, in that she's immune, and in her powers that she will save them from this. Oh, yeah. And it's great to see them embracing that. Mm-hmm. It was very, that was a very emotional moment as well. One of the things I did think of several times in this episode is why don't they just hide from this? Why can't they make a shield? But Regina did answer that when they were looking from the clock tower. She said, this is magic. It doesn't care about ceilings. Yeah. yeah. I kind of feel like Regina might have been able to put some kind of a, oh, I don't know, protective dome over something, <laughs> especially having until sundown and yeah. with Emma. I don't but know. there again, just like I said before, that would have been Regina and Emma and maybe Elsa like sort of standing in the street doing a thing to kind of stop the curse. Right. Or protect themselves from it. Mm-hmm. Maybe Cora didn't teach her that one. Maybe not. Well, even Rumple can't, or at least it seems that maybe he can't. He's just protecting Belle from everyone else, but he's going to have to deal with Belle when he tries to take Belle mm-hmm. and Henry out of town, if if the storyline gets that far. Yeah. Precedent. I, I did kind of predict this. Precedent with magic is very difficult. Cora did it. She wasn't the most powerful, but she did it. So it feels like others should be able to do it too. Except what Cora did prevented them from being taken with the dark curse. 
but it didn't prevent them from being frozen by the dark curse. Mm-hmm. Right. Remember, she did. That's t- true. She did tell Hook, "We will be frozen for twenty-eight years." Mm, that's true. So even she couldn't completely protect herself from it. I'm kind of confused as to what Dairy Queen's end game is, and I don't think I'm the only one. I think Rumpelstiltskin is confused about it too, since he's <laughs> kind of just like, "Yeah, you three are going to be here, just hanging out together." Right. Like what? what <laughs> Does she think, like, it's not like she's cursing Emma and Elsa. So does she think, is it going to be like Stockholm Syndrome? Like, they're the only three alive, so suddenly Emma and Elsa have to like her? But I don't I don't She'll get be all like, what she's... Come, let's run through a field and chase a kite. Step over the bodies. It's fine. Come on. Let's go have fun, you guys. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. And neither does Rumpelstiltskin. Unless you change the laws of magic with some genies a la Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, <laughs> wonderlandpodcast.com, if you never listened to that, then you can't force someone to love you with magic. You can make them think they love you. Oh, We've yeah. learned that odd rule. I think that somehow Ingrid is probably thinking, oh, we, we're like sisters. We all have magic. We've all struggled to accept the magic that we have. This is just going to be fine for us. (laughs) I don't think she really thought it out completely, but we'll find out. Yes, we will. I was thinking when they went to the wall, because they got this great idea, let's not be in town. When they went to the wall of ice, I was thinking at that moment, boy, wouldn't it be nice if we still had a nice big dragon in a basement somewhere that we could just all hitch a ride on the dragon and fly out over this large ice wall. Because she would definitely have done that for them. (laughs) Or use the fire. They could just make the dragon fiery breath on the wall. Melt it. I I was probably happier than I should have been when David struck the wall and got blown backwards and then and then extra ice spikes come out of the ground as if to say don't even like don't try it again i i was unreasonably happy simply because they're describing their plan and i just wanted to cry because i just didn't even want to watch but they didn't really get to pursue that plan and i was quite happy i loved that they sent david to the wall like i like david i have nothing against him but of the group of them he's arguably he, for definitely the weakest magic wise and like arguably snow is physically as strong as him so it's like there's three magical people there it's a magical wall and you're sending david with his like sword and a ford to to <laughs> go challenge this wall i just I, well. it's like oh okay we'll let david try make him feel like he's worthy he's helping traditionally though aren't you supposed to send one of the lesser dwarves well yeah they had a dwarf <laughs> right there with them Why yeah, but he wasn't one of the lesser ones but still he should have been the protector who <laughs> tests the barrier of the town they're supposed to test the town line that's how it works why didn't grumpy have a part in this he's the dwarf with the diamond cutting pickaxe yeah in fact the more i think about it the sadder i am because it's always been the dwarves testing the town line he, yeah. he should have been the one. That's true. David has been downgraded. Maybe they just didn't have a stunt double. <laughs> David is now charming the dwarf. Well, he did hang out with the dwarves a lot. He did. 
I loved uh, Regina's comment. Is everybody into this hope thing now? <laughs> I just love her one-liners. Like she's doing the good thing, right? She's being good, but then she still has like the wit of the evil queen. Right. Yeah. And also all of the references to Snow White's wavering faith and hope and everything that just didn't seem right to come from Snow White. Yeah. That's what happens when she's a mother and mayor and all of that. <laughs> um, I liked the argument, too, about who was Henry's best chance, since that's similar to the pilot as well. Yeah, they said it here about Henry, and they also said it in the library about giving everyone their best chance. Yeah. Or uh, actually, I think it was said in the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some other nice connections back with the pilot and also former uh, previous episodes from season one. When Emma and Elsa visited Belle, they got this location spell there. And we know now that there are two different types of location spells. There's the kind that makes something glow brighter as you get closer. Mm-hmm. That's what Rumple enchanted on Charming's Ring back in the season one finale uh, called A Land Without Magic. And it's what they put on then Anna's necklace there that made it glow. And then there's the other location spell like they used on Jefferson's hat, mm-hmm. on the capes, on well, all of these different pieces like of idiot. wardrobe, yeah, on Emma's mm-hmm. uh, scarf and all of this stuff where you're chasing an object and the <laughs> object leads you to something. But like Regina said previously, when... Regina was leading Emma through the woods to try and find the Snow Queen. There are many different types of spells to use and different kinds of location spells. So we've only seen two different kinds now. Well, and blood magic with the globe. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So, yeah, we've seen three or four, probably. I think there's another one. Hashtag season two. I loved when they were talking about the vaccine. I was thinking that's a really, really useless vaccine. And then I realized that's kind of how vaccines actually work hmm. in real life is that you kind of like put part of it in you and then your body is immune to it. So you have to have the virus to make the vaccine. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense. But I'm like, as Belle is explaining this, I'm just like, that's useless. And this is like useless time of this episode being used because that's not going to work. In our chat room, uh, Lucifer Jr. also pointed out that Bo Peep's staff was another location thing. And there was a mirror that we saw previously when we got to see Ariel and Eric together through the mirror. So there have been lots of things that we've seen for people to be able to find each other. And they always will. They always will. Yep. (laughs) When Hook and Mr. Gold were at the docks, I could really sense how much Gold absolutely despises the fairies. Yeah, it was intense. Who hates nuns? (laughs) Calling them fleas and everything. I still want to know why they're still living as nuns. They're not nuns. They're fairies who were cursed, and they're still Mother Superior. They are both. Jeremy, they are both. No, they're not. No, they're not. What are they even doing? They're not nuns. Yeah, his <laughs> Gold's comparison of them to an infestation, is it was, it was really dark. And I wonder if it's because he knows that they are his greatest 
like the greatest threat to him. I think it could also be because as we've discussed in previous seasons, a fairy gave the magic bean to Balefire in the first season. And it was because of a fairy that he came to a land without magic. And the fairy wouldn't help Rumple figure out a way to get back to Bay. So I think there's been this animosity all this time because the fairies, according to this episode, work with light magic and Rumple as the dark one works with dark magic. So they're just against each other. But even with his apparent either regression or lack of growth, you would think somewhere in there as he's been able to understand that he's done this to himself throughout the ages, that it was his choice to not go. His choice. So you would think that the hatred would subside a little bit. Well, he's he's doing that thing that people do in this world, which is not taking responsibility for his own actions. So any person he can put the responsibility off on is going to be the subject of his hatred. Yeah. And he only cares about himself. I suppose. I could have sworn he'd made yeah. speeches in which he did take responsibility, but that's cool. Well, this doesn't sound like taking responsibility. I don't have time for everyone else. And if I have to choose between everyone else and me, then me wins every time. Yeah. I want to know why he didn't use the hat on the Snow Queen, which could have avoided a whole lot of this. And she has tons of power, which we've seen. Yeah. Well, I think it's because he doesn't care about everyone else or anyone else. And it would have been a nice side effect to just avoid the drama. But then there would be all of these other attachments, Emma, the Charmings. He wouldn't be able to take Henry, which apparently, when did he start caring so much about Henry that he wants to take Henry out of this? I mean, in a way, it's like, yes, finally, you're caring about your grandson, the only living relative you have Right, like, are you sure you wouldn't rather just put him up on top of the ice spikes? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's more so just... How would he make a happy life with Belle on the outside? Oh, let's add, you know, the son, a son that I lost that now I can raise my grandson. And I don't know that he actually cares about Henry as Henry. I think he more so cares about Henry as Mm -hmm. a symbol of his son and as a symbol of what life could be like. Yeah. Well, he's actually blood, I guess. Yeah, he is. Speaking of the ice spikes, though. Why is the wall just now emerging from the ocean? Because they thought about it. Because it works for the plot, unfortunately. (laughs) Because I thought the implication when Elsa put the wall up was that it was going to encircle the town. Those were pretty much literally her words, I thought. Or at least they had explained that that is what had happened so that nobody could leave. They've been so confident that no one could go anywhere. If they could have sailed a boat out of town any time, they shouldn't have been so confident that, say, Will had not left town back when they were hunting for him. Mm-hmm. I I think showing us the ice wall in the ocean would have been cool. It didn't need to emerge from the ocean at that moment. Unless I'm missing something. Uh, just the extra dramatic effect, I think. <laughs> I suppose. Speaking of Will, he seems to be back to Robin Hood's right-hand man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yet, we still don't have more story from Will. (laughs) Did Robin's yelling seem a little strange to anybody else? 
I didn't think anything nah. strange of it. It was just funny because Will was right behind him. <laughs> He's like, right here. <laughs> Stop yelling my full name. Oh, but name. Will made that comment too. I think right. I think he, it's kind of like when you're in a house and you yell for someone and you don't realize they're right behind you and they're like, don't yell, I can hear you. <laughs> I wonder if they're, like, they introduced Will at the very beginning, but they're dragging it on. So I wonder if they're like giving Oncers time to catch up on Wonderland. <laughs> Before they hmm. do some big revelations. If they want us to catch up on Wonderland, release the release. DVDs and Blu-rays. <laughs> yes. Preferably Blu-ray. Yeah, Blu-ray would be great. And the soundtrack. But but it is still possible for people to catch up because they can buy it, it on iTunes. Or watch it on Netflix. Or Hulu or, or yeah. Amazon Prime and all of those places. Yeah. So Regina thinks everyone except Robin and Henry not only don't believe in her, but look at her with hatred. Are going to look at her at hatred. I think that's what she was communicating. Uh, mm, I don't think so. She she implied that he was the only one who looked at her without hatred, and soon he would too. I just think she needs to go talk to Dr. Hopper, because oh, she's got yeah. problems. Well, yeah. I mean, that was true before. I really think a lot of people consider her an ally at this point. Yeah. Besides, yeah, is, then Dr. Hopper could be in it more. It is honorable for... What she's doing, locking herself up, realizing how big of a threat she is to everyone else. Because she now is, I'm thinking here, I'm pretty sure she is now the only other magical being in the town besides Emma and Rumpelstiltskin. And she already has a lot of stuff toward people in town and she's pretty powerful. And everyone has a lot of stuff toward her, Mm -hmm. even if they've Mm -hmm. forgiven her now. That darkness is going to come up and people would be walking around with pitchforks again. Yeah. The scene when she said why she was locking herself up, she did an amazing job. She did. To me, that shows how much she really has changed, that she cares that much about other people. Uh, But I do have it. I had a little bit of a theory that she maybe won't be impacted by this curse. She already saw the worst in everybody. That's what she spent the majority of her life living. And she's made a choice to not do that anymore. So I wonder if because she that's already how she's felt about people, maybe the curse won't have the same impact on her. Like she already looks through people through tainted tainted glasses or whatever. And so Really, would would her under this curse be any different from the evil queen that we knew for the first two seasons of the show? It's <laughs> a good question. So maybe she also needs to lock herself in to keep people out as well. Right. Yeah. Because they will hate her. Yeah. I wonder if we'll get to see her throwing a magical temper tantrum there in her vault. <laughs> well, who's going to let these people out? Or at least her. Who will let her out? Because she trapped herself in and a lot of people were talking about chaining themselves to things and if you it seems like if you chain yourself to something can't you unchain yourself i would think so or aren't you just setting yourself up as a sitting duck for everyone else (laughs) yeah i think there there's a lot of faith on the savior (laughs) it could be that the way that this spell is working is that it makes you have these thoughts of ugliness and evil toward only people you care about and not just anybody. 
But if that's the case, then only、mm-hmm. half of the town would kill the other half, and there would still be half left. It's all pretty How ambiguous. How did it work in the fairy tale? It was just a, like in the Snow Queen. Yeah, it was that they saw ugliness around them in anyone, and it wasn't、okay. anything specifically. Although the way that the story goes is that the two main characters,、uh, the boy did get the shattered sight or the, the mirror pieces in his own <laughs> eyes. And that's when he looked at Gerda with hatred and saw her as ugly.、Mm. Right. I'm interested to see how the curse happens, affects everybody. I want to see what's on the note. Yeah. Open the、In、bottle. The, well, I think a key. <laughs> I went back and rewatched part of the pilot episode and listened to what Gerda actually said as they were sending the note. Are you sure we're doing the right thing? Yes. On and as I must know the truth, it's the only thing that will save them. Know the truth and the only thing that will save them. Not to mention,、mm-hmm. are we doing the right thing? Yeah. Like, what are they doing at that moment except dying? Well, sending out this <laughs> note that Gerda had written.、Mm-hmm. So, what is this truth that will save them? That is a truth, as we mentioned in the initial reactions, a truth that we don't already know. Mm hmm. I wonder if that might be something that's kind of revealed, but is actually not important to the Once Upon a Time storyline. And so maybe once everything's resolved in Storybrooke, Anna and Elsa have to like, depart to go deal with some quest that their parents sent them on or take back their kingdom from Hans or. Yeah, that's a whole plot point that's going to need to come up again in the future. Now that Hans owns the kingdom in present day fairy tale land, Anna. He and- doesn't, though. Like, he has no rightful claim. Yeah, no rightful claim. And didn't the people watch Frozen? Don't they know that he was the one that did all of this? <laughs> right. Bad I would stuff? think that they would understand. They all know it was pretty public. Unless they think suddenly, oh, Elsa's gone evil again. She's uncontrollable. This is just <laughs> going to be like it was before and just worse this time. But they don't, like, once generally does not have these storylines hang around after they're gone, like after they're finished. The, you know, the temporary, like, we've never seen any other Peter Pan characters again, even though we know they're kind of hanging out in Storybrooke. <laughs> So it would be, that would be kind of a good wrap up of, okay, so this, like, this is good. We're like, if they wrap it up, it, this is good. We're done. Okay. So now we have to go do this thing our mom sent us on. And maybe we're going to check back in a couple like random episodes, like Philip and Aurora. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. I could see something like that. I, I don't think they're going to add these four characters as series regulars and, you know. Have it be once upon a time in Frozen.、Mm-hmm. I think that one of the lessons the characters need to learn is always check your order before you leave the drive thru. 
If someone gives you a bag that's supposed to contain a magical item in it, always look inside the bag. Or at the very least, if someone <laughs> gives you a bag that's supposed to contain a solid object that's maybe on a chain and instead it contains pebbles from inside the cave, maybe you should be able to feel the difference through the bag with yeah. your fingers. This is the third or fourth time this has happened to someone in Once Upon a Time. <laughs> the, the most prominent other time was when Hook gave the bean, supposedly. And he didn't really. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I honestly thought Emma coached Elsa into doing that when they were off talking and Emma was getting the necklace. I totally thought that Emma was saying, okay, so I'm over here talking to you. You're going to pretend <laughs> to give me the necklace. Really? You need to go really quickly to the elevator. And perhaps Emma did know that Elsa was going to do that. I think, I think Emma really wanted to save Anna. But it was a decision for everyone, and it was a hero decision. Mm-hmm. I still think that since it wasn't as good of a chance as having Anna, I think it would have been more likely that maybe Emma would have not been quite as scaredy cat of a cave-in and let someone try to get through the wall before they gave up. Yeah. But, you know, I suppose it was pretty traumatic, almost freezing to death and all. I think maybe what they were trying to do here, and I don't know that they did it effectively, was, okay, so Emma has been holding against her parents for four seasons that they gave her away for the, like, basically that they put the needs of the kingdom over the needs of her as a baby. Hmm. And they've brought that up really, like, a lot recently in the last couple episodes where Emma's been, you know, struggling. And then it's kind of like, this is the same kind of situation. Do they save one or do they save the masses? And I think they were maybe trying to show that Emma finally got it. Like she gets the sacrifice that they had to make. And sometimes you have to sacrifice one thing for the greater good. But I I don't know that they communicated her getting that very well. Hmm, She said, yeah, I I hear it. I hear it when they were all talking. Um, but then she kind of let Elsa go with the, with the necklace and who knows. The scene at the diner was eventually what it led up to was really, when you think about it, pretty horrific. Hook is basically doing a massacre mm-hmm. in there by sucking everyone up mm-hmm. into the hat. As they're trying to work on this white or light magic spell. Yeah, I'd like everyone to uh, take note of that, or at least not certain people who seem to have it in for blue. She uses light magic, guys. Maybe she's not a secret villain that they hardly ever put in the show anymore. Yeah. She's just the blue fairy. Now we sing Let It Go. Light magic. (laughs) When Emma and Elsa broke through that wall, or rather Elsa did... Which no map could have predicted. (laughs) I seriously (laughs) thought first when we saw it that that was a portal back to Arendelle. Oh. But no, it's just the beach. I'm glad they didn't hit any tourists who were all over the place (laughs) behind them. (laughs) Uh, But why did the necklace after they walked up and down the beach stop glowing? It was like, yeah, things do not look good for Anna. I'm not even going to like I'm done. It, it's she's definitely going to die that's what i was thinking she didn't look good in that trunk anna didn't later i know it wasn't chronologically mm-hmm. in order but anna did not look 
good in that trunk. She looked very cold and like she was running out of air and very hopeless, which is funny for Anna. Just so, like Snow White did before Prince Charming came and kissed her after he was <laughs> led by the same spell. <laughs> it doesn't quite line up. That's funny. I know we tend to overthink things, which is why <laughs> once upon a time should hire one of us to help them think through some of their plots. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or or even just certain moments, like when they washed up on the beach and the trunk pops open. Yeah. Like that would have been cool if they could have gotten out of the trunk. You know, a little while ago, maybe maybe Elsa should have opened the trunk. The water pressure kept it closed. Oh, okay. we'll pretend that. Okay, cool. Yeah, that, yeah, let's go with that. Well, okay. <laughs> or there's something about the spell. It made the bottle have some dramatic timing where it pops up at the right moment. The trunk also could not open until the right moment. Mm-hmm. It it just has a sense of timing. It was a pretty powerful spell, though. Like that blast back that Emma and Elsa <laughs> loosened experienced. it up. I likened that to Emma Care Bear staring Cora in the episode Queen of Hearts. It was kind of the same <laughs> effect, if you will. Um, so, you know, wishing Anna here now to me means not in a trunk. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. That's funny. But if they hadn't had the whirlpool effect, number one, she'd have Anna and Anna would be like, yeah, so that left Kristoff to die, and they also wouldn't have the note in the bottle. <laughs> yeah. True. Well, we do know that the magical water runs under all the lands, so it's not that big of a stretch. Yeah, but why did the wishing star, or the spell rather, lead them to this spot? Did it know that that's where Anna and Kristoff would pop up? I don't think so. Because they weren't there uh, but then again the whole eric cloak enchantment led his cloak yeah. into the water so maybe that's just what any kind of locator spell does is that if the person isn't in our world it takes you to the water <laughs> well, which makes sense though because the water is the only thing that's connecting the world right i don't think it's that water that's the ocean <laughs> But <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, I don't know. I don't, was it supposed to be the same water, like in the well? Duh. Yeah, I guess they should have led it to the well, but where, that's true. They just said that the water runs under all the magical lands. Yeah. I don't even know if that was said in Once Upon a Time or Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. <laughs> I liked the sister reunion, though. Yeah, that, that was, was great. <laughs> They, it, I heard a little more of what they were saying this time, and like Kristoff too. They were all talking at the same time, and they they said almost all of the essentials, the things that needed to be said, like the thirty <laughs> years and the and what had happened. I was looking and, for you. <laughs> I like that's exactly I think what a reunion like that would be like with my sister. It would be talking at the same time over each other, saying all the important things that we were thinking. It just. It was perfect. Yeah, <laughs> Sophie said it pulled the heartstrings, and Lucifer Jr. said best part of the series. It was great. When they're in town walking toward the diner, we learned that <laughs> this spell of Shattered Sight is apparently like chicken pox. Once you get it, you can't be affected again. And I'll bet it's itchy. Which makes Anna <laughs> an unexpected problem for Ingrid. Because Ingrid, <laughs> like she does, <laughs> yeah, Ingrid did not have any prediction that Anna would show up. 
True. And maybe Ingrid doesn't even know that once you're affected by the spell, you can't be affected again. It'll be really sad when Kristoff kills her in the first five minutes of the next episode because they sat right next to him while it hit. Yeah, but he is chained to the desk and she's not. And I didn't catch what they said that she was going to be immune. And they said it twice, actually, once there on the street and then once in the sheriff's office. So they definitely made the point that she would be immune to it. Which explains the not separating or tying them up because they theorize that Elsa will be immune and they believe Anna will be immune. So I guess they should definitely hug while the curse hits instead of taking precautions. <laughs> what if they're wrong? What if the ribbons don't mean they're immune? Oh, they're going to be. Because it kind of I sounded like... Uh, jumping back to the scene at the beginning... It'd be better for her if those two hate everybody in town. Well, it sounded like <laughs> at the scene at the beginning of the episode... That Rumpel was asking Ingrid to write something into the curse, basically, because she was in the process of kind of casting it and controlling it. And he made this deal with her and it seemed like she had power to affect that. So maybe she Hmm. actually had power to ensure that the curse doesn't affect Belle or Henry, but Rumpel didn't let on that he knew it wouldn't affect Belle because he needs to do some things first while Belle is locked up. Hmm. That's interesting. Which just Rumpelstiltskin. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But he has Hook's Um, heart still. So what else is he going to do? He did say there's one other thing. Well, Bell's also safer, to his credit. Yeah. Locked up while he's making sure he gets his power while they leave town. Yeah. And Hook, I don't think Hook has time to go chain himself to the dock. So I think he's going to be... Maybe uh, Regina poofed him too. Here, me in the vault, oh, you, you at the dock. Did that happen? No, probably not, but that's how I'm choosing oh, okay. to explain Regina's sudden arrival at the vault with minutes to spare while she was still in the mayor's office. I felt really bad for Hook this episode. And I think Emma, did you guys notice there was a definite, like, when she kissed him after she pulled away, she she knew something was off. Right. And that would go, that's the only other time to my recollection that we have seen somebody without a heart kissing somebody. Yeah, she didn't pick it up in, the first time, though. No, but it's in uh, in Wonderland. Wasn't there something about when Will got his heart back? Oh, yeah. He had a really passionate kiss with Anastasia. Yeah, I thought there was something before he got his heart back that they could tell he he didn't have a heart I, yeah, his I'm, kiss or something. But oh, I can't remember it at the moment. But yeah, I think there is something else then. And then there was yeah, the kiss I between Emma and Graham. It's too intentional of an acting thing with after the kiss for it to not matter to me in a future episode. Right. Like the fact that Emma noticed something. Um and Hook seems pretty upset about, you know, killing a bunch of nuns for somebody who has no heart. Yeah. So, yeah, he can still feel. He was, he was nearly in tears. Yeah, I think he should probably care a little less. Okay. Well, he doesn't have a heart and they kind of waffle on what that means. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. But uh, in their defense, like the Knave of Hearts in Wonderland was able to do... 
a lot of righteous things and make very good decisions. Yeah, but he was completely aloof. Uh, he hardly cared. That's true. <laughs> he was kind of like, ah, you might die. Hmm. Something made him continue to help Alice. He wanted wishes. Yeah, that's what it was back in Wonderland. <laughs> but here in Storybook. <laughs> Whoops, wrong show. <laughs> the scene and the collection of scenes that started here with the sheriff's office, I think were just really great seeing the montage of everyone else as the spell is approaching they're very well acted very emotional a lot of great acting in this episode i think yeah and as as jeremy pointed out regina basically expressing why she was locking herself away was pretty powerful and to me speaks a lot to her changes as a character Mm mm-hmm the change that she's the transformation that she's gone through now as the curse is coming emma has baby neil there and she kind of shields him but i don't think that's going to actually end up protecting him so is he going to become like demon baby no (laughs) (laughs) i I actually wonder if he might be the key to he can't see evil if he's never had that He's never experienced it. So I wonder if he's going to somehow be uh, either key to breaking it or just immune to it in general. I think if anyone Um, is going to be key, it's going to be Anna because she's immune and she's mm -hmm. unexpectedly there in Storybrooke. Yes, but I do have a theory about that as well with the ribbons. Because I wonder what will happen if somehow Anna gets Ingrid's ribbon on her wrist. It's kind of like she's a third wheel, a fourth wheel sister that is not supposed to be there. And there's only three ribbons. Well, Elsa can't take the ribbon off. But what if they somehow get the ribbon off of Ingrid and put it on Anna? Hmm. Some magic or something. Or some act of true love that breaks any curse. (laughs) There needs to be a kiss somewhere. Somebody kiss somebody. <laughs> or a sacrifice. Well, that's not likely. <laughs> <laughs> or just a really good sisterly hug. What about true hate's punch? Is that going to do anything these days? Because that's all they're going to have. <laughs> so as Regina and Henry are getting ready to part, she apologizes for not focusing on Operation Mongoose. Why? What would that have changed? I'm not sure I understood that. I think she just wants him to know that that operation is important to her as well, that he's important to her. Yeah, I think so as well, because she hasn't really been spending much time with him lately. Okay. I think it's just like guilty parent syndrome. Sure. Yeah. So then she she seals him in her office. Does her office have a bathroom? Let's hope so. Let's hope everywhere there... that everyone has been sealed has a bathroom. <laughs> well, Hook's chaining himself to the dock where I feel like is he's just there for a, an angry mob to come like make him fish food. That offers no protection, yeah. I don't think. A lot of people are going to be sitting ducks. It's true. Robin is chaining himself to a tree. Right. <laughs> I feel like I don't know for sure that the curse is going to make people be angry mobs, though. I guess it could, but... From what we saw of Belle, it was more vicious words and hurtful things said than... Well, and then she stabbed her husband in the neck. 
that's true. Forgot about that part. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> uh, but you're right. I'm not sure. I guess it's more than just how you see people. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it probably takes away all your inhibitions as well. And you start doing stupid things. Mm-hmm. I wonder, they mentioned Marion was hidden away from Robin somewhere where he doesn't know where she is. <laughs> so if everyone in Arendelle is unfrozen, but probably a few days ago, mm-hmm. might this curse just automatically make Marion unfreeze as well? It might. Hmm. I hope they don't do something like Robin actually kills her. That'd be terrible. That would be. That'd be really, that'd be dumb, kind of. Let's hope they don't do Although, that. Although, where is Marion's heart? True. Is it in the vault with Regina? Ooh. Yeah. You think she would pull it out and crush she it? She might. Ooh, I haven't <laughs> thought about that. I'm wondering if Regina, being who she is, is going to be affected, but able to fight it more than most. So she may be sitting there with the heart, kind of like really wanting to free freeze it like she's everything is ice to me now like she's gonna want to crush it or but she's gonna try not to that could be interesting <laughs> she would be like that i would love to see see a scene like that acted exactly from her anyway Korea. yeah right like that would be that would be an awesome scene like a scene of her fighting basically evil queen lana fighting with Kind of, I'm a little bit good now, but still sarcastic, Regina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when the curse actually hit, I didn't notice this the first time. Jeremy, I think you pointed it out to me later. But we actually see Charming's reflection in Snow's eye mm-hmm. as the curse then oh, I didn't crystallizes her eyes. That was a wicked effect. Oh, yeah. I like that. And then his I eyes were a little effect. bit like that, too, when they pulled back. The way it was just silent almost yeah. at the end that was really cool a really neat effect as it yeah. just laid in the emotion of the moment and seeing them no words whatsoever yeah. had to be spoken my favorite thing yeah <laughs> it was chilling and then boom and the episode of lost was over <laughs> <laughs> one of the theories that we got in from uh, this is from jessica said, if they are going the route of the original story, the power of love is what saved the boy in the story. That is the Snow Queen original story. On Wikipedia, it said, in summary, Gerda runs up to Kai. Gerda and Kai are the two main characters in the story. Gerda runs up to Kai and kisses him, and he is saved by the power of her love. Gerda weeps warm tears on him, melting his heart and burning away the troll mirror splinter in it. As a result, Kai bursts into tears, which dislodge the splinter from his eye, and becomes cheerful and healthy again with sparkling eyes and rosy cheeks. Jessica continues with saying, I don't really see Emma and Elsa going around kissing and crying on people, <laughs> but maybe they do something that, quote, melts the heart, unquote, of the Snow Queen, which ends or reverses the curse somehow. Hmm. Interesting theory, Jessica. We know this whole thing of true love's kiss is supposed to break any spell. What has to happen here? Hmm. Yeah. Well, 
we are like, this is kind of what I was talking about with the ribbons, but we're very aware of how much power of love those ribbons mm-hmm. supposedly hold enough that Rumpelstiltskin traded them for, or then enough that the snow queen wanted them. Um, and then now we actually have a feasible, like good third person. Like I say, they cut off Ingrid's hand, <laughs> get the ribbon. It would not be the first time something like that happened in this show. Get the ribbon. We put it on Anna and then Ingrid probably ceases to be a problem <laughs> in some way. Here's my prediction. <laughs> Not unrelated to the amount of blood she would lose. <laughs> Here's my prediction for what's going to happen. Is I think that we've seen this wishing star now that has this incredible power to mm. wish someone back from a different world. <laughs> what if the end game here is that Ingrid gets that star or she has it at some moment and for whatever reason it works for her. And she says, I makes just, no difference who you are. She says, I just wish my sisters were back. And then poof, Gerda and nope. Helga are back, nope. even though they're both dead. Nope. Because I, I don't want to see that, but I wonder <laughs> if that's the end game they're going toward because something like the wishing star, you can't just discard that. That's extremely powerful. You can't, but you also can't bring someone back from the dead. Right. Well, and somebody, only somebody pure of heart can use it. Mm -hmm. Oh, and she is so not that. (laughs) Right. So that's what I was saying. So I don't, I don't think Ingrid fits that. You're saying that it would work for her somehow anyway. Somehow, maybe like she combines this magical element on top of a genie lamp and that gives her unlimited wishes a la the DuckTales movie. I hope maybe that the wishing thing is out of wishes. (laughs) Yeah. because yeah. otherwise so many things they could do like hey let's take down and the I ice feel, wall yeah or maybe the curse never happened or something it's gonna have to have some limits to it mm-hmm. would they have needed the bottle to follow them to storybrook the bottle with the note from the parents if she was gonna wish back her sisters i don't think ingrid wants her sisters back well not the one that put her in the urn anyway right <laughs> Right. So there's got to be some kind of in yeah. game that breaks this spell. Is there, there's one episode left before the mid season finale? Oh, uh, two. I'm sorry. There are two episodes left it's before that, the hiatus. It's that time of year when we get to start saying the word penultimate again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we've got two episodes left. <laughs> I thought there was left. only one. Nope. Two. That changes my theories a little two bit. Two total. Yeah. And then we have the hiatus. Mm-hmm. The like, Really long hiatus. (laughs) So the next episode will probably be with everybody being affected by this spell and running around (laughs) doing whatever. Rabble, rabble, rabble. (laughs) And then the episode after that will probably be they're breaking the spell (laughs) somehow and dealing with Ingrid, unless they carry it across into the second half of the season. Hmm. Which... I wouldn't be surprised in some ways. In other ways, I would be surprised if they do that. I think that would be inconsistent for them to mm. do. Yeah, and I'd be, I think there's not a lot left to tell. Yeah. They've got to give us some kind of big cliffhanger for the end of the first half of the season. Like they did at the end of season three. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, hi. Did this not, <laughs> did this episode not feel like it was so fast paced in exa- in everything that happened that it was kind of like the episode before a finale? Or a finale episode? No, yeah. I- no, like. The episode that sets everything up for like the final finale. That's why I'm thinking, that's why I thought there was only one more left. Well, a lot of this felt like the mid-season finale in season three, where they're preparing for the inevitable to come and loved ones are having to say goodbye and separate themselves. Mm -hmm. A lot of parallels there. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But yet this isn't the end of the season or mid-season even. And I know, I'm sure they're not going to give us two completely different episodes that involve time travel like oh, they did goodness. last season. No. Oh, it's because we got the extra hour. I think that's why I'm confused. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of just 11 hours, this first half of the season, we're getting 12 hours. And I, I have a theory that we might get 12 hours for the second half of the season as Never well. Know. That could be really cool if they that do that. That would be awesome. We are yeah. going to have a season four finale party in the greater Cincinnati area. So as soon as we know the exact date that that finale will be aired, we'll be pulling together details for that. So we'd love to meet you here. I know that several have said that, yes, we're going to come. Whatever date it is, we are going to be there. And we hope that you can make it too. We'll post details about that (laughs) when we have details and we'll share them in the podcast. Mother's Day, no doubt. Yeah, it probably will be. So just start looking at travel plans for Mother's Day and such. But uh, we'll be looking at, Cincinnati's a big area, so we'll be looking at possible locations for an event and where we might have it. So don't try to book a hotel yet if you're thinking of hotels or anything like that. But we'll have some more details when that comes about. This is the end of our discussion about this episode, Fall. But you can continue the discussion by commenting on our show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 173 or go to the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. We'd love to connect with you there and hear more of your thoughts and theories about this episode and all of the episodes that we've seen to date and upcoming episodes. People are discussing spoilers in designated sections over there and other people are discussing ideas without spoilers. It's a great place to be. And share your theories and comment on other people's theories too. Please send us your feedback on the next episode of Once Upon a Time when it airs. Put the title of that episode in the subject line of your email and send it to feedback at oncepodcast.com. Or you can call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. Or send a voice message through the website at oncepodcast.com. We are going to change up a little bit how we handle the feedback. So we'll be incorporating more of your great feedback into upcoming episodes very soon, as we have not been doing as much recently. But we really appreciate the great feedback that we've been receiving. Before we go, Aaron, you've got something really cool to tell us. You got to visit the Enchanted Forest. Tell us about it. I did. I did not visit so much the Enchanted Forest, but I did visit Steve Stone. Um, <laughs> I was in <laughs> I was in BC for the last three weeks um, visiting. My best friend lives there, and I had heard that they were going to be actually filming in Steve Stone. So I've been there before. In August, they weren't filming. You could barely recognize Steve Stone as being Storybrooke, other than a couple signs that I think they leave up all the time. Uh, but yes, I went and they were actually filming. They were filming, um, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but they were filming uh, 412, 
So the first episode that's going to air in March when they come back, there wasn't a lot of people watching. Like there weren't a lot of fans there because they just announced it, I guess, the night before. I knew a couple days in advance just because the girl that I was in touch with actually lives there. So they get notice um, ahead of time. But yeah, so we got to watch about four or five scenes being filmed. All of the principal cast were there. So that was cool to see. And uh, it's very interesting and cold. So the very first thing I thought watching this episode, when we see um, Elsa step out uh, into the outside from the library or whatever, was, oh, my goodness, she must be cold in that outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because we were we were standing outside. I got there at about nine. So I met uh, Jennifer Morrison, who plays Emma, Mm -hmm. came over to talk to us. About halfway through the day, so at about two <laughs> o'clock, she came over, and I was so cold from standing outside since nine that I could not really even think. And <laughs> I was like handing her um, like a sharpie to sign a thing, and I just I like was so uncoordinated. And I'm not I don't really get nervous <laughs> when I meet people, so that's just I was so freezing cold and. I just can't imagine when they have to wear like Elsa didn't even have a cape most of this half of the season <laughs> and it's it was really cold there like it was about freezing Celsius so I think that's like 30 degrees Fahrenheit um, yeah, it was really interesting. I thought you were going to say you accidentally gave her a Sharpie tattoo on her hand and they were just going to have to run with it in the show. <laughs> And hopefully it said oncepodcast.com. <laughs> she was smart enough to be wearing gloves. Uh, I was not. But uh, it was basically we had to like stand in one spot. So say we were standing beside Granny's diner. And then they shot a scene. And then we had to move to the opposite side of the street <laughs> on the opposite side of the set. So like way down by like the hardware store. And then we had to move across the street on that side. And then we had to move back across the street on the far side, all for them to film one single scene. How many cameras were they shooting with? I did not notice that. As I get more into videography, (laughs) I've been thinking about how many cameras in a multi-camera shot? Or do they just do the same thing over and over and over again and position the camera somewhere else? I know that's another technique, but I was just a little curious about that. They did the same scene from about nine until two. Wow. Over oh and over goodness. and over again. It was probably like a 48 second scene. Did you see Kitsis or Horowitz there? I did not see them. No. They're, I think they're there now. Yeah, I see... Um, Adam Horowitz tweeting stuff about Canada. <laughs> so yeah. He's there now. <laughs> a girl who I ran, like a, one of the girls who I was standing with for most of the day, um, just met them. She tweeted a picture. So I think they're there now. <laughs> um, I think she tweeted the picture today or yesterday. It was cool. Like Jared Gilmore came over. He had to go do school. So like he <laughs> couldn't really stay like Jennifer Morrison did. Like Jennifer talked to everybody that was there. And met everybody and posed with everybody. But Jared Gilmore just came over for a couple minutes and then had to leave. And the same with um, Colin O'Donohue came over and then had to leave because they were only on breaks from filming. But I think Jennifer was done Hmm. for the day. So it was nice. But also there were paparazzis that showed up partway through. So they ended up when the paparazzis come, they 
open all of these black umbrellas around where they're filming so that the paparazzis <laughs> can't take pictures. Oh, funny. But it was good because the paparazzis won't stand with the fans. I guess we're not cool enough for them. <laughs> so we still got to see mostly because they were standing on like where they weren't supposed to be standing. And we were standing where we were told to stand. So we could mm. still get like a, a clear shot of what they were filming. We just can't like it's you can't hear anything. So that's awesome. I have no so cool. great spoilers. But well, you did have some <laughs> spoilers. And from what I've heard, because I still stay spoiler free, Hunter and Jacqueline did share them in the last episode. Uh, so mm-hmm. thanks for passing along that great information (laughs) about how many people like just really rough guess how many people were watching oh i would say by the end of the day there were maybe maybe 40 but when i got there there were less than 10 of us Hmm. so it's kind of more as word got out and as classes let out and because so they broke for lunch at four they'd been there since seven they broke for lunch at four and they were going to be there till eleven. Did you meet any other? I didn't. I just met those. Those. Uh, oh, that's nice. And I didn't actually meet Jared Gilmore either. So I met um, just Jennifer Morrison and Colin O'Donohue. Did you meet any other listeners of the podcast up there? Like anyone recognize you or recognize your voice? I don't think so, but I told everybody about it. Awesome. I should have sent you with some cards. Yeah. I've got 2,500 <laughs> cards here. <laughs> Well, I added about because we were all in a circle and I don't have data on my phone because I I have a phone from the 20th century. But I so I kept just sending random tweets just saying hi. So I would like say, to hey, what's your Twitter handle? Okay, like at Fleegon. Hi. And then when I got to a computer, I went and we all followed each other. So I have a bunch of them on my Twitter now. But I did talk about the podcast a lot because I kept saying, don't tell me any spoilers other than what we're seeing. (laughs) (laughs) You're in Steveston. You got to remain spoiler free. (laughs) That's it's a cool community though, with all the people that go and watch all the time. I got to talk to a gentleman that started a podcast about Steveston. He lives there. He's lived there for a long time and it was going to be a Steveston podcast. I'm not sure if he still continued it, but we, he had me on his podcast once and we were talking about once upon a time's effect on the community. And it's really cool to see how the community enjoys this or Mm -hmm. how they participate in it or become fans of it as well. Anything else cool Mm -hmm. from your trip there? Like I personally was so excited to meet Jennifer Morrison just because I run um, ugly ducklings Inc. Yeah. Which is ugly ducklings Inc.com, which was inspired by her. So it was really cool to, to get to meet her and like she knew who we were. So Hmm. that was awesome. Someday, Jeremy, Mm -hmm. we're going to make it up there. (laughs) Yes. It's just an issue of money, really. Right. (laughs) Because it costs (laughs) a lot from where we are in the Cincinnati area. It costs a lot to make it up there. I was four hours by car away at one point. Let's not bring that up. (laughs) 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 At least one of our co-hosts have made it there. You should definitely fly into the States because it's... Canadian flights that get you to, and it's really close to the border. It's like an hour from the right. U.S. border. I'm tempted to see if I could drive up there or something when I'm out in San Diego next year at a conference. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's quite only like far. a 20 hour drive. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, Hunter is now out there in San Diego, so maybe like I could convince Hunter and her family to drive up, and I hitch ride along with them. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
Thanks for sharing. That was that was really cool that you were able to go there and meet some of the cast and see many of them. And that was really awesome. We'll, We'll get to do that someday as well. Hey, we would love to have your feedback on upcoming episodes. So please go to the website oncepodcast.com and all of the contact and feedback information is there. The one other thing that you could do that would help us out would be to write a review for us on iTunes. That really encourages us and it helps other people find the podcast as well. And especially I want to thank General Sunshine for writing a review for us, who said, The Once Podcast is like discussing your favorite TV show with your friends. Makes me feel like a Once Upon a Time insider. Funny, smart, quirky, and lovable. Great show. (laughs) Thank you very much, General Sunshine. Quirky. (laughs) General Sunshine. (laughs) If you want to read the full review, you can get that link in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 173. And if you're a podcaster and want your podcast reviews emailed to you automatically, like I have them emailed to me automatically, then go to mypodcastreviews.com. It's a service that I've created for that. And before we go, we have an announcement from Disney today. There is going to be, before the premiere, well, starting with the premiere of Cinderella on March 13th, 2015, there is going to be a new short called Frozen Fever. And guess what? We're going to get to see ahead of time. Hmm? Cinderella and and the Frozen special. That's true. We'll be reviewing that for you. And we'll also be reviewing Into the Woods in just a couple weeks. Our podcast schedule will change for the mid-season hiatus, just that one week there, because the night that we would normally record the podcast is when Jeremy and I are going to go see Into the Woods. So prepare for that, and we'll let you know ahead of time what that schedule actually will be. Please connect with us on Twitter at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. This podcast would not be possible without our great team of volunteers. Corbin sorting our feedback, Jack writing our show notes, John Buchanis editing our episodes, Hunter and Jacqueline providing spoilers. You'll get to hear from them in just a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul moderating the forums, Jacob helping with screenshots, Keb managing our timeline, Aliascape and Aaron J moderating the chat room, and Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline for hosting this podcast with us. Please comment on the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 173. Join the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums and send us your feedback on the upcoming episodes of Once Upon a Time. We love to hear from you and continue this. And until next time, remember, you can clench your jaw and flash your eyes all you wish because it doesn't change the fact we're in this together. And thanks for listening. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them and help keep the podcast running, because it does cost a lot to do this podcast, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor to make a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, which is what helps us the most, or even a per-episode donation through Patreon. That's at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And big thanks for your support and everyone else who has supported the podcast. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. 
And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast. We've got season four. So episode 10 is called Shattered Sight. Storybrook is in a state of chaos with all the residents under the Snow Queen spell of Shattered Sight at each other's throats. Emma and Elsa race against the clock to free themselves of the ribbons and take down the Snow Queen and her curse. David can only watch when Regina clashes with Mary Margaret in an epic battle. Meanwhile, Gold gathers Belle and Henry as he prepares to leave town forever. And Will Scarlet looks to square his tab with Hook. Kristoff's thick-headedness leads Anna to a heartwarming discovery. Okay, so we've got some guest stars, and I'm going to completely butcher these names, and I'm very sorry. So the seven dwarfs and Granny are back, so we'll get to see them underneath the spell. Then we have Rebecca Wiskowski as Madame Fiostia. I think it's Faustina. Okay, you're better than I am. So Madame Faustina, that sounds better. (laughs) (laughs) Elias Webb as Kevin. Abby Ross as Young Emma, and it's written by Scott Nimfaro and Taze Chung and directed by Gwyneth Porter Payton. Nice job. Ah, thanks. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> <laughs> so we did get a promo yep. for this week, yep. and as expected, it really focuses on the fact that the spell of Shattered Sight has hit Storybrooke, and everybody's pretty much going to be at each other's throat. A lot of the promo focuses on the evil queen, Regina, who's back in her full evil queen regalia. And she looks wonderful. She does. I really like the outfit. And she and Snow White are going to be yelling at each other and engaging in a sword fight while Prince Charming looks on. And Kristoff, I think. Because, I mean, he's handcuffed to the desk. Right. And based on the photos we got for this episode. Emma and Elsa will be with the Snow Queen in her ice cave mm-hmm. along with Anna. So where's the baby? Where's Neil? I have no idea. I don't know where baby Snowflake is because Snow handed him off in the last episode and Emma's not holding him in those photos. Right. And I don't even remember seeing her holding him in the promo. Yeah, I don't either. So yeah, it looks like Anna, Elsa, and Emma will be going after the Snow Queen trying to end her curse. They end up in her ice cave at some point. So that should be fun. Yes. And then one of the things I did get from the promo, didn't Regina put a protection spell on her office where Henry was? Yes. <laughs> so, okay. If you haven't seen the promo, Hook, it looks like Hook goes to the mayor's office and he somehow is able to get in. But Henry has set a trap, or at least I think this is Henry. I think so. And it's marbles all over the ground. And if you really look closely, you see like a shadow leap over Hook. Okay, so one last little tidbit from this upcoming Mm -hmm. episode from Josh Dallas. He stated that Prince Charming is going to be quite nasty and going for the jugular, even against Snow White. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of verbal sparring between Snow and Charming. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the promo, as soon as... I'm going to guess it's as soon as the curse hits, they, like, let go of each other's hands. It's like, they're all nice and sweet. No, get away. Yep. So, it's actually really cool. And I can't wait for the sword fight. I don't know why. I know that they really do care for each other, but because of the curse. But the sword fight and Snow tosses Regina through a glass door. Yep. Really cool. I can't wait. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So I know we have a casting news. Did you want to talk about that? 
Okay, so this came out today for episode 15. They are casting a king whose crown was hard won and the fight to keep it has taken a toll. He is also described as handsome but not refined and highly protective of his family. And the role might be reoccurring. Uh, If I had to make a guess, I'm going to say it's probably King Triton, given that we know Ursula is one of the villains next season. Right away, I was thinking King Uther from Merlin because that mm. I'm in the middle of watching that show right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's kind of cool. A king. We haven't really seen many kings lately. Right. That will be around episode 15, so second half of the season. And then the only other thing that came out with that bit of news was that Hook's heartlessness will impact Emma. And if you watched last week's episode after they kissed, you saw Emma seem like something was off. And so I think she's probably going to learn quite soon that Hook does not have his heart. And somehow Belle is going to get pulled into his predicament. So I don't know if Hook, without his heart, goes after Belle. I don't know if Belle finds out what uh, Rumpel's been doing. But Belle's going to be coming into this somehow. Well, that's very interesting. Because we yeah. also read from E.T. Online in an interview with Jennifer Morrison that Emma will help Hook get his heart back eventually. Yes. But also in that article, they were talking about how having not having a heart doesn't mean he can't love. Right. So it's just he can love. His heart's just not in his body. He has no control. Exactly. And then TV Guide talked with Eddie Ketzes. And he, it was all about this arc. And he says, this arc will come to an end and the Snow Queen is dealt with. But something surprising rears its head in the aftermath of this story. And it takes us right into our next arc, which is our favorite twist yet. So we're going to say goodbye to Anna, Elsa, Kristoff. And it is going to take us to some wonderful place. Yes. And if I had to predict, I would say that the Snow Queen will likely get sucked into that hat. That's my big prediction. But are the the fairies going to be able to get out? I don't know. I don't know if anybody can get out of that hat. Yeah, because we don't know where that hat leads. Right. And we do know that we've got three very big villains coming to Storybrooke for the second half of the season. Apparently all working together. So I don't know if they're going to come out of that hat or if they're, they've always been in Storybrooke. Well, Maleficent has been in Storybrooke. We do know that. Right. And she was a mm-hmm. dragon. So we don't know how she goes back to human form. Yeah. There's a lot coming up. And it's going to be fun because we also read in a report from TV Line with Adam Horowitz that we will get to find out why the Knave left Wonderland. And we'll be learning more about his post-Wonderland life as the season progresses. And we'll also be exploring more into his past with Robin Hood. I'm excited for that. Yes, I know people are really anxious to learn where Anastasia is, if she's dead, if she's alive, what happened to her. That's causing a lot of anxiety with people, so (laughs) I will be happy when we get an answer to that. Yes. And then finally, we do have a new title for episode 413, and that is... Unforgiven, and it will be written by Kalinda Vasquez and Andrew Chambliss, and... It's being directed by Adam Horowitz. Oh, really? Is this his first time directing for the show? This is his first time directing, and they're filming it right now. He's in Vancouver. He's been 
sending some pictures out on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, you can go get a look. But yeah, he's going to direct this episode. Oh, that's so cool. Because usually we always get the written by. We never get the directed by. Right. Okay. Well, I think that's all we have for you this week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me on Twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Until next time, oncers. Oh.